let's get it started. Hey, now that's a sound clip. What? Welcome back to the Kill the Dead podcast. I'm your host, Gray. Tonight, I'm joined by my co-host, Ash. Say what's up, Ash. Hello, wonderful people. It's another wonderful day in the horror neighborhood. I'm very excited for this weekend. I'm going to be going to see The Prodigy. Uh, I've tried to stay away from YouTube this week and not stumble upon anything, mostly because I was traveling really last week into this week. Hoping to avoid spoilers. I really hope that this one is better than it seems. As you said last episode, creepy fucking kids, right? Yes. So I'm hoping they don't go the obvious route. And maybe there is a better possession of Hannah Grace going on situation. (laughs) Um, I just, like, just seeing the posters and actually, what was that? It was some theater. I forgot what state it was, but they did, like, a special screening of it. But... It was only for expected mothers, like expected women. Um, I, that's really cool and creepy all at the same damn time. <laughs> like, what if they go into labor or something? Like, you want all these pregnant women in one theater watching a horror movie. Like, <laughs> what do you want the outcome to be? And they were like, I mean, I saw the pictures and they look happy and they had like the, um, they had the cutout mask of, the kid i'm just saying like oh that's that's kind of cute i guess that's a cool idea but at the same time it kind of has me worried about the women (laughs) yeah i mean for once i guess i would like to be an expected mother living in ohio trying to get to this premiere (laughs) well i don't know if it was Uh, in ohio or what because i think i want to say texas but i'm not too sure Shut up. I mean, I still couldn't get in, obviously. <laughs> you could walk around with something your under your shirt, be like, "Yes, I'm pregnant." <laughs> you know what? There, you are right. The mother of all genre screening stunts. The Prodigy plays an audience of expected mothers. Uh, reported by SlashFilm.com. Here in Austin, Texas, last oh, week. Oh, I got it right. It was Texas. Uh, yeah. And I guess that makes sense. I wasn't around last week. I was in Louisiana. And I'm not going to read everything on here. But if you guys want to check it out, uh, slash film.com is where I just pulled that up at. Yeah, and also, um, I guess with the... Um the premiere of The Prodigy, they're going to be showing the first trailer of Child's Play. That makes 100% sense. I didn't know The Prodigy was an Orion film until maybe earlier today when I posted to Instagram. 
there is a Chucky poster saying there's three more days until the Prodigy comes out. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, if you guys aren't following me on Instagram, it's at Gray himself. Uh, follow me over there and you can check out my story, my feed, all that good stuff. So, you know, quick plug. Um, I'm also going to go see the Lords of Chaos this weekend, or Friday to be exact. Um, Alamo Draft House is playing it here for two nights, it looks like. This is that, uh, probably going to get this wrong, but I'm going to say Norwegian band uh, documentary, mockumentary, horror, something of another. Uh, I don't actually know the whole history on it, but I know I saw Roy Culkin um, as one of the characters, and I was like, I'm in. <laughs> That's well, I all like it took tell me on it. So, so it's going to um, be like a metal horror-themed like movie. Yeah, I'm sure people at Sundance right now are probably getting to watch it. So this weekend, I'm hoping to enjoy two horror movies, which is more than above average. As well as tonight, I'm going to go see The Bride of Chucky. I haven't watched that film in quite some time. If I can remember correctly, I believe Red Man is in there. And I thought that shit was so hysterical when I was younger. Oh, is it Wait. I mean, I know he's in one of them, but was he I in Sea Chucky or Bride? Chucky. Yeah, I could be wrong. Chucky. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was just thinking. Catherine Heigl and John Ritter. Ah, I can't talk. They're in Bride of Chucky. It's going to be a fun week for me. What good way to come back to the city. Got some horror lined up. How about you? Are you looking forward to anything this weekend? or? Um, I just... Got my ticket for the early screening of The Prodigy, so I'll be seeing that after work Thursday. I'm really excited. Um, I think that's like the only thing horror-related that I'm going to be dealing with for the week. I'm kind of boring. Ohio is boring. I'm sorry. But uh, maybe I'll try to catch up on some um, documentaries. I still haven't watched the Ted Bundy tapes. Um yeah, I still have a whole bunch of like documentaries. I have movies that I need to catch up on. I've been too busy watching my Telemundo, so I've been slacking. Uh, it's funny you say that. I just got, I ordered this a while ago, but my collector's editions of Urban Legend arrived while I was gone. Oh. And Screen Factory just released that? Yeah. Or, I mean, I pre-ordered it a while ago, but yeah, now it's officially out. Um, so I'm super excited to get to watch that again and revisit and check out all the bonus features, but I just don't have the time because I haven't made any. <laughs> Is the real answer? Right? Ooh, how dare you? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Why don't you tell me what's going on in horror news? <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. Okay. Oh, I see. <clears throat> but, um, it's been going around all over like social media that Netflix has bought the rights to stream um, the Ted Bundy film, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile movie starring my husband, Zac Efron. Um, they had they bought it for nine million dollars. It has been yet to be announced when it will be available for streaming. I think right now it's. Um, it's been playing on what the Sundance Festival, so I think they were showing that. Um, Netflix is also planning on giving it a small theatrical release, so that's pretty exciting. I'm down for that. 
Netflix is now, on top of their gonna game. Now, they're going to give it a real release, or they're going to use their theater's release? Because it's um, one of those things where, is it a cash grab, or are they really looking to do things? That I do not know. Is this... I they bought it for nine million dollars. They're planning on streaming it, so who knows? Netflix is no, no. always up to something. People have been catching a little shit. Not people, but you know, society is being very judgmental that they're finding obviously women are responsive to Ted Bundy, aka Zach Afron's looks, and he's being glamorized instead of being taken as a serial killer. But then, you know, the devil's advocate of that is that that was Ted Bundy. Exactly. He was a good-looking dude. He charmed the shit out of America, you know? Um, or Americans, I should say. Um, so it's one of those things. Uh, you're, you're seeing a movie that is based on the memoirs of a woman that dated him captures him in the same light and what he used to seduce and capture his victims. It's like, come on, what more do you want? Like, that's perfect. Plus, uh, you know, all you Disney fans will probably watch it regardless if it's good or bad. <laughs> I'm watching it in support of my husband, okay? See? Exactly. <laughs> probably I the best $9 million Netflix spent. All <laughs> right. Instead of I think it's interesting that people are on either side of this instead of just saying, hey, it's a movie. At the end of the day, it's a movie. Yeah, it's like, just, like I've said many times before, people are just so sensitive and they want to make a fuss over everything. So at this point, it's like, what do you expect? That's how times are now. So yeah, screw them. It's a movie. It's a movie. I love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I love Psycho. I love Sounds of the Lambs. Does not mean I love everything Ed Gene ever did. Or Thank anything you. that he did. Other than expire movies that I grew up with and love. That's it. So if Ted Bundy did whatever he did, that happened. That's history. That's fine. Doesn't mean people aren't going to be entertained by getting to know the story of whatever transpired. For decades to come. The real question yeah. is, because of technology and what have you, will, will being a serial killer hopefully become a thing of the past? Like, it'll just be impossible? There'll be so many cameras, so many ways to track a person that you might get lucky enough to do one bad thing, and then it's like, got you. I just... <sighs> I hope... <laughs> All right, what else you got? Um... We actually had um, two um, well-known actors in the horror community that passed away recently. We have um, Dick Miller. He's known from um, being in Gremlins 1 and 2, Chopping Mall, Night of the Creeps, and Demon Knight. He passed away. Um, we also have Julie, uh, sorry, Julie Adams who was the leading lady and creature from the Black Lagoon. She just recently passed away. So uh, rest in peace. Thank you for all the movies y'all were in. Like, you will forever be missed. You know, Julie Adams, and this is not meant to be a joke or anything, I never knew she was still alive. 
Like when I saw that she made it to 92, I was like, that's fantastic. Yeah. I regret assuming that she had already passed, but um, that's amazing. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the 90s. Yes, definitely. I mean, they both lived a long life. I mean, uh, Dick Miller, he was 90, 90, I believe. I'm sorry, I cannot talk today. Yeah. Yeah, he 90s. was in his 90s too. So they both lived long, long lives. So thank you for yeah. your, thank you for the movies. Thank you. <laughs> uh, definitely. It's a always, uh, it's weird to think that there are going to be people that, were alive during the early 1900s that will not be alive by the end of this year or by 2020. Um, it's crazy. That's stupid to even say because that's just how life works. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, but um, moving on from that, I just there's a lot there's a lot of news going on. I feel like I'm just gonna keep on talking and talking, but. Um, Let's see. So over, uh, what was that? During Super Bowl Sunday, Jordan Peele's The Twilight Zone teaser trailer was released. And then he also released um, the second trailer for Us. Yes. I'm excited. One of those things, I didn't watch the Super Bowl, but it was definitely, I just kept going back to, um, on my phone, just refreshing YouTube. I was like, Super Bowl commercials, Super Bowl commercials. <laughs> and finally, someone put up a whole 10-minute clip of all the Super Bowl commercials that I would care to see. And um, I just knocked it out that way. Which, thank you. Uh, that saves me a lot of... I'm not a football fan. Most of you guys probably don't know that about me, but I don't really care about football. So it just saves me the trouble so I know what people are talking about the next day when these people throw it up on YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, I was at work all day, so I missed the Super Bowl, I missed the Puppy Bowl, I missed all the good, funny commercials and all that good stuff. And <clears throat> another thing that was, the uh, another trailer that was shown was Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Which everyone's been talking about this on the internet. Um, they did a series of teasers, essentially, which was perfect because it's, just just enough to be like, oh, I remember that character. And then, boom, it's done. And then, you know, oh. everyone's analyzing all the flashes that happen. But it's perfect. I mean. Just looking at the designs and everything in those little teaser trailers, I am so hyped for it. It's going to bring back some nightmares that I had when I was a little kid. And there was one that really like freaked me out and grossed me out it was when the girl has that big red dot on her cheek and there's a spider leg poking out of it i am not looking forward to it hell to the (laughs) (laughs) no-no i i don't i don't play with that yeah i'm very happy that uh what was it called red spot that's what that was called Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to my childhood coming to life, or tons of people's childhood, right? The book has been around at least once I was born. It was definitely there when I could read, but oh yeah, I actually don't know when it was published. Let's say around the time I was born. Who gives a <laughs> shit? Everyone knows it. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Yeah, looking at the news, that's pretty much all I have. I'll okay, keep well on then dragging let's. On. <laughs> let me ask you a different question. Don't, don't, on don't Twitter, know. you tweeted about a movie, and upon here watching your reading, your English language words aren't working right now. Upon reading your tweet, uh, I went ahead and checked out an awesome movie, and I was wondering if you want to tell people about it because. It is truly a great Amazon Prime gem. Oh yeah, definitely. It's <laughs> I was I I'm a big fan of this movie. I'm going to have to watch it again. Um it's called Mandeo of the Dead. Um I had recently made a tweet about wanting to um help out people in the horror community. I if you had like a movie, you've had like reading material, anything that you want someone to look over and give you feedback, I said, hit me up. I'm your girl. Um, and the people behind Mandeo of the Dead reached out to me, say, hey, I have a movie on Amazon Prime. It'll be great for y'all to um, to watch it and let us know how, to, how, how you liked it. So I watched it and... <laughs> This movie is, I, I really enjoyed it. It's funny. It has, um, I mean, horror elements. It was just everything that I liked in a movie. So big shout out to the cast and crew of Mandela of the Dead. So shout out to Scotty Dunn. Yes, um, the film is quite inventive. Uh, for those of you, in case you're interested in checking out, basically, uh, Jay... Mandeo is a uh, basically it wasn't really said, but I assume or I didn't pick it up directly at first. His father invented these cereals. That that's correct, right? Yeah. Um, and he's just been living off the royalties for for a while, or for his life. And then he has an adult nephew named Jackson that is. <laughs> I want to say living off of him, but like he he needs to get better at adulting, and so you know his Jay is helping Jackson, but they're really about the same age. But that adds like a whole another comedic element because he keeps calling him uncle, so it's like he still has that respect of the family relationship. And um, then they get into a situation to where, and this is what honestly I thought the film was going to lose me here when they start talking about astral projection. Um, but the way that they use it or that Scott has written this film or maybe budget constraints, cause it's definitely independent film, um, was really inventive and ingenious almost. I don't want to give it away, but if you could imagine, um, how would you describe this movie? Let's say back to the future meets a horror movie. Yeah, that's yes, that's pretty much a, a good way to put it. Cuz I don't want to give it away. Like but the, yeah. the their their vessel for DeLorean in this film was awesome. Or the way they did they just honed in a great I, you know, I'm an isolation film type person. So it's like if people are stuck in one location for the most part, and that was the most brilliant thing for me is that it only really ever happens outside of the apartment or in the apartment or house, whatever it is, uh, and that's it. So it's like you don't really have to worry about a bunch of sets, and it could be their real life houses. Um, 
But anyway, so if you guys haven't checked it out yet, it's Mandeo of the Dead. I could be pronouncing that wrong, but it looks like Mandeo, spelled M-A-N-D-A-O of the Dead. It is on Amazon Prime for free, or it's free if you have Amazon Prime. Scott Dunn did a great job. He direct, wrote, and stars in the film. Uh, he probably had other hats. I have not looked up the IMDb because I'm a little lazy. I'll admit that. <laughs> but anyway, Scott did a great job. Uh, Ash, what you got anything else to say? I'm kind of like hogging this because you you're the one that turned me on to this, <laughs> and I'm very excited about it. But I'll oh, set up. No. no, you're fine. You pretty much just said everything I was thinking of. Um, for me, when it comes to like horror comedies, I'm kind of weary about them because some of them don't have like the right balance to them like it seems like it's more comedy than it's than horror there's more like it's just i don't really care much for them but watching this i was just like oh this is just like the perfect amount like this is perfect for me i was just <laughs> just like it was just so funny like and like i just th- thought like the story was original i mean there was some blood there was some some gore scenes all that fun stuff and they did amazing i'm so glad that Scotty and everybody else behind the movie reached out to me. I feel honored that they got in touch with me to and asked me to watch their movie. I just thank you so much. I feel honored. And yeah, so like we've been saying, check it out on Amazon Prime. You will not be disappointed. Yeah, I definitely agree. I'm, I was sitting here thinking of how would I still describe this movie. I want to say, I hate to say Shaun of the Dead, but let's say Shaun of the Dead light uh, Back to the Future with a regular uh, Is My Neighbor a Killer from the 80s type movie. Mm-hmm. Pick whatever one you want. I think that's the way I would sum it up. Um, and, it does a great job of the comedy. Right. And I feel like it's not that long. It's not that short. It was just like, like the right like like run time yeah, of a film. It was like an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, just about. That. Yeah. It didn't drag on, so that's always a plus. And then you don't really see a lot of like movies that deal with astro projection. So exactly. It's very inventive in its uh uses to tell this story. Yeah, and I think we're gonna try to um have Scott on the show one one day, so stay tuned. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with a new segment. Subscribe to the Kill the Dead podcast on Apple Podcast, and stay up to date on our feed. For news, trailers, and more, check us out on the website, www.killthedeadpodcast.com. Remember, you can also comment, like, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at KillTheDead1. That's Kill the Dead. O-N-E. Now, let's get on with the show. And we're back. So, Ash, I got a question for you. Yes? I thought we could change things up or keep the continuity of changing things up by pitting questions against each other. Um, This one, I think, is going to be more of a softball. But, question. Ready? I I, I guess. (laughs) Well, I was thinking, with all of these uh, remakes, reboots, reimagines, yada, yada, yada's going on, is there a film or a franchise 
you would like to reinvent? Question A. Question B, who would you cast in the lead roles? Oh, <laughs> don't put me on the spot like that. Um, It's like getting to make your dream team. That's true. Um, if I, okay. I guess I would have to go with like my all-time favorite movie and that would be The Exorcist. Even though I feel like it's, it's perfect as it is. No one can ever top it. But I'll go with the Exorcist. Um now let me stop you right there. Why would you choose the Exorcist as a like you feel like it needs to be redone, or you're just saying it would be cool if it could be told again? I think it would be cool, especially like with all like the technology and like like pretty much like all the technology that we have now and just how times has changed. So it'd be kind of cool to see what it would look like in today's times. All right. Especially with like the spider scene, like the sp- spider crossing. Like that would be kind of cool to see what it would look like now. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's exactly where my mind went to. So it would be too telegraphed, right, to do the spider walk again. But how do you redo the spider walk? And pay homage to the spider walk this day and age. Because that was a practical effect. (laughs) So it's like, of course we could CGI someone down the steps. But that was a genuine rig and probably a very flexible woman. I'd have to watch the special DVD effects or whatever again to uh, even know who that was. Yeah, didn't they say it was a contortionist they got for that? Or... Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, there's no way that's Linda Blair. No, no, no. <laughs> I, it's just, you, you kind of got me with the question, okay? <laughs> but, yeah, from like off the top of my head, I would have to go with the exorcist. I would love to see how they can enhance some of the things from back then to today's times. I know it caused a lot of controversies back in the day. And it will most likely definitely cost a lot more today. But I don't care. <laughs> um, I just... And my dream cast for that, I... To play Reagan. Let's see. Probably, um... Maybe, like, Millie Bobby Brown... Hopefully I got her name right. That's Eleven from Stranger Things. Or is it Millie Shapiro? Did I get her first name right? From Hereditary? Millie and Millie. Yeah, Um, the double Millies. (laughs) I like both choices, right? Because I think Millie Bobby Brown would do a stupendous job acting and really bring that traumatic fear. But then Millie Shapiro, I think it played the twisted element so much better. Mm-hmm. Like, and I could almost see this. Imagine this. I'm going to take your idea and maybe expand on a, a, a scotch. What if it was just a reimagining or a continuation of the first one? And now Linda Blair comes back as Reagan and Millie Bobby Brown is her daughter. It's her daughter. Oh, my. And then, you know, you could still maybe. Or Father Karras, you can't do. 
But you know, a new priest. Like, I would, and this might be overdone, but you and McGregor, let's bring him back as a priest. <laughs> Not that, but let's have him as a priest. I, I don't know. Who were you thinking of for your priest? You, you, you got me there. Like, you and McGregor, I'm sorry. I cannot talk today. You got him. Who else? Um, I'm like thinking about like all these actors. I'm just like trying to. You know who I would, you know who I think would do Edward Norton, maybe? You haven't seen much about, much of him. Yeah. I think that would not be a bad choice. Like, he could definitely deliver the straight lines of, like, why this is a problem, what's going on with your daughter. Um, You know who popped in my head now, just now? Who? It's a little risque because of, you know, things in the past, but James Franco. Ooh. I think if people were willing to work with him again, uh, and of course I know nothing about Hollywood, so I don't even know if his career hurts or not, if he's just taking a break, but I think he could be the next Father Karras. He's good at that, like really getting into a character that's just out of left field for his personality. Or, yeah, and like, I love him, and, not, and a lot of people do not want to give him the props that he I feel like he deserves like he could be comedic he could be dramatic like he could do whatever he he puts his mind to it so I, I, I that would be kind of cool to see him as that character or maybe Jared Leto but yeah I'll be, is Jared too, I'll be too into him I'll be like <laughs> oh he is so handsome forgive me father for I have sinned excuse me <laughs> uh, um I, think I mean, it'd be is. interesting because he's gone. He, he's you know, Dias Ballard, Dias, mm, Dallas Buyers Club, and then he went to the Joker. So he had two roles wearing lipstick back to back. It's the common joke, and now to see him in this iconic role. So I guess it just depends on if they're really going to go through with Tron Three, and if he's going to be in any more Joker films. I think I don't think he would be a bad father. I think it would just take too much away if he's doing these other roles. Because right. they also are bringing back, um, um, not bringing back, because he's also playing Morbius as well. Like he's got a couple of big projects coming up. Yeah. So I'm not shooting on your idea. I was just fleshing no. out the <laughs> right. I was the, just throwing uh, names out there. Hypothetical everybody... logistics. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, and then like for the mother, I just. Hmm. Well, see, that's why I said Linda Blair would just come back and be the mother. Right. Because then now, older fans would get a kick out of that. Oh, yeah. That would be awesome. So should, like, it take part after the first movie? Or should it take, take place part... the second. Or the second. Okay. Or we could John Carpenter the whole thing. Or not John Carpenter. Um, oh, my God. I'm blinking so hard. David. Gordon Green. Uh, and just go from first one to the second one or first one to this one I mean that's probably going to be a trend for a lot of people bringing back older franchises is let's skip some of the unsuccessful sequels and move forward so that could be a thing but since Carpenter is on my mind I wouldn't mind him scoring it or reimagining the classic theme that would just, I mean, 
I know it's a long shot for a, re- a reimagined Exorcist film because people are just too sensitive nowadays and it will cause a whole bunch of hell. So, <laughs> I think all the more the reason to do it. Uh, I think it originally came out the day after Christmas. I would love yeah. to see someone touch this project again and release it on Christmas Day. I'll be the oh. first person to pre-order a ticket. Oh, me too. That would be the best, but you know how people are, so... I, th- I think it would be hard to get someone to take on the project, because, again, why would you mess it up when it's a great film and that's what's exactly. the test of time forever? Exactly. Um, and then, if at all possible, I think I was about to say John Carpenter for the score, but I think I would, it would be cool if Tom York took a stab at it. He did a great job with the Suspiria um, theme or reimagining it. Um, so I think that would be really cool. Just throw that in there. I know that wasn't a question, but it crossed my mind when I said Halloween. <laughs> no, you're fine. All right, well, there you have it. Um, Ash bringing back... The 1973, I shouldn't have said a number because that's not right. <laughs> uh, Exorcist, because I didn't even need to say a number. It's it's the only one. So The Exorcist, that would be Ash's pick for a reimagining, reimagining. So if anyone listens to us and they make that happen, please. I will love you forever. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we chose to review uh, oldie but goodie, Demonite. A stranger is coming. Don't scream. And he's hungry for their souls. Just hear what I've got to say. Now, they'll need all of their courage. Like it or not, we stick together. To fight the most dangerous evil of all. Tales from the Crypt presents Demon Knight. I'm going to say mid-90s? Is that right? 95. 95. Uh, For those of you who don't know, basically, a man is trying to escape from the collector, right? Mm -hmm. Or the demon, the night demon. Uh, So it is a chapter in... Actually, let me back up for a second. So Tales from the Crypt did two movies uh, as a feature film. But did you know there was actually three movies? Originally, it was going to be three different films that they presented. Yeah, wasn't it going to be like a trilogy? Yes. That was the plan? Demon Knight was actually the less desired film because the um, Demon Knight was actually written previously, like years before Tales of the Crypt got hold of it. And people kept asking to rewrite the film to fit into whatever they were doing. Eventually, it lands in the negotiation pile of Tales from the Crypt. Presents, or I think it was just called Tales from the Crypt and Demonite, not Presents. But anyway, and I want to say Ethan and Cyrus, question mark, repinned it for Demonite, even though the script was kind of light in the way that um, normal Tales from the Crypt, and for you, those of you who weren't alive and didn't read them or didn't watch it on HBO, basically someone does something bad and then someone goes on the quest and then the wrong gets righted normally by a demon or some undead thing by the end of it as you guys are probably know this film does not end like that this ends with a hero that goes on to do other things which was a first 
and Tales from the Crypt. But getting back to my point, long-winded <laughs> as fuck as usual, um, when they originally read the script, they were like, this isn't exactly right. You guys should rewrite it. Um, the original films planned was Blood of Bordello from Dust Till Dawn and Demon Knight. But Carantino was requesting too much money and wouldn't play ball, so Demon Knight got bumped to the front once they rewrote it. <laughs> and as you guys know, Robert Rodriguez went on to direct from Dust Till Dawn and it never got picked up by Tales from the Crypt. I did Which not sucks. know all of that. <laughs> yeah, a well, little history. I said it sucks. It didn't suck. But there was a possibility <laughs> that we could have gotten a scene from Dust Till Dawn earlier on. But then it may have not been as great as it turned out to be because who knows if Robert Rodriguez would have been attached to direct it. Right. So everything <laughs> happens for a reason. Uh, and Demon Knight got made. Now, the reason we kind of picked this film because it is... Women in Horrors Month and Black History Month. So what better way to start this month off than a horror movie where the black person actually makes it to the end? Say um, what? When I was a kid, right, I watched this film. I thought it was awesome. I always thought Jada Pinkett, not Smith yet because she wasn't married yet. Jada Pinkett's name in the movie was Gerald Geraldine. And then it wasn't until rewatching it for this that I realized, or listen, her name is Jerry Lynn. I, you know, stupid 15, 16 year old me just couldn't put that shit together. <laughs> so, like one of those things where I had to turn on the subtitles. I was like, wait, what? Why are they saying their name wrong? Do I have a weird copy? <laughs> it shattered my uh, childhood a little bit. But as you mentioned earlier, uh, another good performance here from the now late Dick Miller. He plays Uncle Willie. And I remember I I immediately became attached to that character only because as a child, they used to call me Willie. So I was like, <laughs> really? Uncle Willie? I'm going to be Uncle Willie one day. Yeah. And I also always wondered as well after I grew up, um, was that a coincidence? I know that the director, Ernest Dickerson, wanted uh dick miller as his first choice but i'm curious and i've never seen the original screenplay if that was an intentional play on words dick miller uncle willie both euphemisms for the male organ um so you know maybe someone can get at us and answer that question because i'm not gonna google it <laughs> but anyway for you, Ash, what was it like the first time you ever saw this movie finally getting to see a woman make it to the end as a final girl and a person of color? Hmm. Well, I mean, when this movie came out, I was I was a little kid and terrified, so it did, I didn't pay attention to that. Um, but now that like I look back and watched it and all that stuff, it actually means a lot. Because Jared uh, Lynn, like, you could tell that she was a strong, a strong woman and that she wasn't going to be some damsel in distress. So, 
I really like from like when they first like introduced like the characters and they showed her and she was like talking back to her boss because her boss thought she could like just pretty much boss her around, tell her to do whatever she wants, even though she was already doing a task. And she told and she told her what's up. I was like, oh yeah, that's my girl right there. I have a feeling she's gonna stick it out to the end. So it just I don't know, like it just pretty much means a lot to me to see that they don't make her the whole like, oh my gosh, I'm so helpless, help me type of character. And for her to be black at the same time, it kind of it kind of helps. Um, let's see, because you know, like the whole theory, like oh, the black person always gets killed first. So, oh, the, like you always hear about that. So that helps kind of knock knock out that theory because there's another black person in the movie and CCH Pounder. Yeah, and she wasn't the first one dead either. So. Uh, no, and I, I do love the fact, not as a child, obviously, like you mentioned, that we do have two people of color that are strong females in the film. Even when, uh, forgive me, I forget her, I didn't write it down, Irene <laughs> uh, is her character name. Even when she gets her arm taken, she is not out for the count. Like, this nope. woman is still going to fight until she has no breath left. And as a kid, you don't really process that, right? You're not like, no. oh, she was a strong black woman. But I really feel like if that had gone to a a non-person of color, right, then you wouldn't walk away with ever thinking that. It would have just been like, oh, she got her arm ripped off. And then she died later. And then that's it. But to see kind of like a... I don't, I don't want to stretch for something that wasn't written in the uh, script, obviously. But having these two people there represents something different. It's like a callback to Night Living Dead, right? Everyone knows the ending is more infamous now because it was a, happened to a black man. So then it raises all these speculations or just thoughts, not even speculations, of what an impact a film has based on a person's narrative. Uh, and with George Romero, who we just celebrated his birthday yesterday, um, writing a script without a person of any skin tone in mind, he just wrote a story of something that happened to people, and then we cast someone that can get his vision across on screen. And then when you do execute that, you're left with this extra piece of thought for food or food for thought because I'm dyslexic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's it's great to have this in this film as well. Uh, definitely, I wasn't as much of a uh, fan of Tales from the Crypt at that point, just because it was I only got to see episodes I got to sneak and watch. It wasn't like... And that's even if we had HBO. I don't even know if we had HBO when the show ran. I remember originally. it used to come on... Um, what was that? Like Fox 19? Well, that's the, the channel up here. But it was like on Fox and it would come on every Saturday night around like 11 o'clock. And even though it scared the crap out of me, I still snuck around and watched it. Yeah, I mean, I and did. And I was best, terrified of him. The hell if I knew what a TV guide was or how to look up <laughs> playtimes. Uh, you you were a much smarter kid than me. I I was weird, and I had a habit of re reading TV guides. Like I was obsessed with them. Oh, see, that's awesome. I I don't like what I found out that a majority of the episodes I was watching was reruns. That's the same 
fucking reaction I had when I was found out about Scooby Doo. Like I never witnessed a live episode of Scooby Doo in my life, and I was shook as fuck when I found out that all of them were old, especially like the Flintstones as well. Like when I found out that that was always reruns my whole life, I was just like, "Are you kidding me? You lied to me. My whole life is shambles." And that's why I'm the dysfunctional adult you listen to today. <laughs> Goofball. <laughs> but, but uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, the whole, like, a black person staying alive till the end. Like, till this day, when I watch a horror movie and I see that a black person survives, I get excited. Because I feel like it helps show that we're not the weak people, like, weak I can't talk weak person that other people think we are. So that it always gets me hyped. Like, I feel like it helps prove a point. You know what? And I, I listen, it's no big secret. I listen to other podcasts all the time. And, um, when you have months like these, of course, some topics overlap and what have you, but I was listening to another podcast and they pointed out, that in um, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, I can't Is that think... the one with... Oh, wait a minute. No, that's the third one. Well, I mean, Is... you didn't even say the question out loud. Oh, no, no, sorry. <laughs> I zoned out. Is that the one with... That was after the Dream Warriors, right? Yeah. Yeah, after Dream Warriors, with, but Kincaid comes back in part yeah. four. Yeah, and then you had the, the nerdy girl. I forgot her Sheila. Name. Sheila, yes. Yes, so it wasn't, I'd never even thought any of these nuances before, but she was one of those people, and you know, no one's, everyone knows how Nightmare on Elm Street part two, we snuck in the whole homosexual trope under the radar, and now people are like, Oh, he was gay. Everything about this film is gay. How did no one notice this? It's kind of the same thing with Sheila. She is the only character that in, in Nightmare on Elm Street history, and I'm not the person who caught this, but where Freddy could not get to her in her dreams. She was too strong for that. He had to attack her asthma to weaken her. But she was not scared of him, and she didn't die because she was scared of him. Everyone else he comes across does. But the only black woman to go against Freddy does not die out of fear. And I was just like, that was so groundbreaking that I've never realized that. And it's been a while since right. I watched it. Uh, the Dream Child is not uh, up there. No, it's the Dream. Whatever. Whatever part four is called. Dream, <laughs> dream Master. Dream Master part five is the Dream Child. There, we got it. Um it's not one I revisit a lot. Obviously, Dream Warriors is most people's favorite, as well as the original. I probably watch both of those two or three times a year. Um, but now I do want to revisit part four. And I'm pretty sure, I think she's going to be at Fright, is it Frightmare? Texas Frightmare or Fright Fest? Oh, Texas Frightmare weekend? Yeah, I'm pretty sure like they have, yeah, I'm pretty sure she's going to be there because they're doing the whole like, um, Nightmare on Elm Street reunion. I'm pretty sure I saw her name. But that was a while ago. Sorry, I didn't mean to like cut you off. No, I mean, that's really cool because I will be at Texas Frightmare 
I remember Robert England's going to be there and Tim Curry are going to be there. And that was kind of like the things that sold me on it to begin with. And then like everything else was an announcement on top of it. Oh, and um, Cassandra Peterson. I'm finally mm-hmm. going to meet Elvira. Um, Jealous. So <laughs> those were three that I were in was very excited for. But you are right. There is going to be a Nightmare on Elm Street reunion of sorts because Heather Lincoln Camp and... Robert England are going to be there. So you're probably right. What was her name? I think her, her name real was... name was Toy something. Okay. So you're probably right about Toy being there. <laughs> There's actually going to be quite a few people there. Jeffrey Combs was announced. Uh, Barbara Crampton was announced. Did uh, I say Bruce Campbell? Bruce Campbell was announced. Nick Castle was announced. Um, as well as the new... Michael Myers, something Courtney. All the names aren't there yet, but so there's going to be and Judith Myers. I remember that because it's Sandy Johnson. So Johnson for Johnson. Um, hoping to get a picture with her as well. So maybe maybe this trip's going to be all about the ladies for me. Alyssa <coughs> Rose is going to be there. Uh, I've only ever <gasps> seen her once, but uh, you gasped. Why'd you gasp? Because I love her. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it's going to be quite a few women in horror uh, there this time around, which if no one's ever been to Texas Frightmare Weekend, it is probably the most awesome film uh, festival slash convention uh, I've ever been to. I've only been to six, so Dang. you can scale it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but nothing I've been to has been as cool as Texas Frightmare. I think one of its taglines is the biggest... Um, convention in the world or region, nation, something like that. It's pretty big. So, if anyone's going to it, let me know. Hit me up on social media. I will be there. Hint, hint, wink, wink, Ash. (laughs) No pressure at all. (laughs) But But anyway, getting back to the actual film at hand. um, Oh, Sam and Ted Raimi are going to be there. That was another thing. Both brothers. Now I'll stop. Fanboying over here. <laughs> um, so Demon Knight, Tells from Crypt, 95. There we are, back on track. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, at Jada Pinkett, as Jerry Lynn, this reluctant hero, if you will. Um, definitely, like you said, her character is tough from the get-go. They allude to some type of, not work release, but... She's done some time. She's out trying to do things right with her life. And you have these... Was it seven strangers? Was that the thing? Is what makes it a thing? Yes. So Breaker's trying to escape Billy Zane's awesome character. I once time saw this documentary or read about it. But everyone enjoyed Billy Zane's improvisations. And as you guys could tell, you know, the character's awesome. I'm not sure who Billy Zane was to people before this, but for me, like, I remember the character. And for the rest of my life, I was like, Billy Zane's in this, Billy Zane's in that. When he was in Zoolander, I was like, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> he literally does almost nothing in Zoolander. And I thought it was the most charismatic thing at the time. Um, so anyway, as you could tell, great performance by Billy Zane. And then we also had... Thomas Hayden Church in there is Roach, which is 
kind of the sub protagonist um, or ass. antagonist um, in the film. He's he's kind of, yeah. I mean, he really is an ass. <laughs> I did not really care for his character. I thought it was kind of obvious when he eventually does make the deal with the collector or let me go. It's like, come on, dude. You know, like you just watch people die. It's like you know you're not getting out of there. He did not care. He was just thinking about himself. I mean, you saw how he like did help out his his lady friend, his mistress. He was gonna just let let her die, but yeah. <laughs> Which you know, at the time, still wasn't enough for me to completely hate him because I was a huge fan of the show Wings, where he played a guy <laughs> named Lowell, and uh, I was just like, oh man, that's Lowell, that's Lowell. Because I wasn't smart enough to learn actors' names at the time. So even though it was on the screen in the opening credits, I had no clue who it was until he appeared on screen. And still call him Lowell to this day. <laughs> Not the Sandman? Just kidding. Oh, oof. That was him, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Mm, we're not going to talk about Spider-Man 3. Big Jones doesn't talk about Spider-Man 3, so, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, but, you know, overall, it's a very probably accidental, impactful movie uh, as to where it still lives on. I think there are plenty of people popping in that VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, probably not 4K yet, but it's probably on the way if it doesn't exist. Uh, film, because you, it's an interesting, unique story, and it is different than the traditional tales from the crypt films uh, or stories or narratives, whatever you want to call it at this point. Um, it's a quick film, hour and a half ish. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of anything bad I would say about it. It's all acting all around. Um, Plenty of gore. I, do, I am curious as to why it never got a sequel. Uh, it kind of leads up to it that. And maybe the only racist thing I find about it is that you have the collector chasing Breaker, uh, which are white on white people. And then when Jerry Lynn becomes the hero, all of a sudden it's a black collector. I thought that was really fucking yeah, weird. That was, yeah. They never but, really know, show how he came about, but yeah, it was kind of yeah. weird now that you mention it because I was just like, huh? But yeah. So that was a little odd or whatever, but you know, people make choices and that's what happens. And I want to say when the credits come down, it just says other collector. Like they didn't even like, they might as well just say other or black guy, right? <laughs> he would have been the only black person in the film. But I'm also upset they never fleshed that out. I would have loved to have seen a sequel to this film. I don't believe that I've ever read or seen Jada Pinkett speak on this film. So maybe she had a less than desirable time in this uh, in this movie. I don't know. Maybe. Because not a lot of people time, know she that a, she was in it. Yeah, so maybe it was a contractual thing. Because she had done Low Down Dirty Shame, set it off, either had just probably happened a year afterwards um and of course she appeared in the opening of scream 2 oh my uh, favorite horror scene opening she has one had one more movie in the 90s jason's lyric yes she was jason's lyric uh and then eventually the 
Matrix game. So it's like she had a pretty solid 90s. There's probably other films uh, I don't remember her in. Oh, and she was on A Different World. Yeah. Like, that was like, I loved every character on A Different World. I don't couldn't relate to being a black college student in any way, shape, or form, <laughs> but I love that show. Um, Me too. I don't know if I could... Mm, I probably can't name anyone else from that show right now other than Kadeem. Cree Summer. Uh, well, yeah, I was going to say that, only because Cree Summer stayed with me, right? She's the voice of a lot of animated characters, uh, uh, particularly some of my favorite people from the Rugrats, but she obviously didn't stop there. She still is a voice actress. Um, so if you guys still watch cartoons like I do, she is probably the voice of someone you listen to for damn sure. But anyway, um, and that's pretty much, am I leaving anything out? Last words, Ash? Um, no, not that I, I could think of. I know there was the whole rumors about Tales from the Crypt being rebooted and you haven't heard anything since then. So I don't know what's going on with that, but I can't think of anything else. You know, a smart industry or industry ugh, words a smart studio will wait to see how the revival of um twilight zone goes before they take on a separate anthology well because uh, what was so, it m night was supposed to he was supposed to be behind it and i think what's that uh cable station um oh my gosh a and e maybe was supposed to pick it up i believe mm-hmm. i can't remember yeah I can't remember, but yeah, M. Night, yeah, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name, was supposed to be behind it, and I guess everything fell through, but you never know. We might get a reboot. We shall see. Some of these kids nowadays need to get scared. Like, I like I, got, I was scared back in my day, so. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I, if anyone wants to pick it up, I'm, I'm for it. So, we've come to almost the end of the show. And I think we are going to end the show a little different today. Um, what some questions? Everyone likes oh. questions, don't you, Ash? Of course. So maybe a new segment. No clue what we're going to call this yet. So, Ash. Yes. There was a trilogy back in the nineties. We kind of just mentioned that Jada Pinkett was in one of them, but I am talking about Wes Craven's almost. Perfect masterpiece. Scream. First one, knocked out of the park. Second one, great continuation of story. Third one, the crappy one. (laughs) It wasn't as strong. Um, Courtney Cox's crappy bangs. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, everyone knows about those bangs. (laughs) They are on a wax museum by themselves. Courtney Cox bangs Scream 3. Um, and you know the thing that's most surprising about the film for me is that Scream uh, 1 and 2 were pretty much back-to-back. Uh, I, maybe they already had a script ready to go or a leftover idea uh, if they knew they had a hit on it. And Scream 3 took a couple years, if I'm not mistaken. It wasn't immediate. Maybe it was two years in between. Yeah, so, I mean, mm. anyway, mistakes happen. <laughs> And that's that. It is what it is. But what I want to do is let's do 
do something a little fun with this. Is that what if we took the villains of Scream and played a little game with them? Um, and for those of you who don't remember, we had Billy Loomis and Stu Mocker in part one. Debbie Salt and Mickey. Uh, Mickey. <laughs> uh, part three, we had Roman and John Milton. So I'm going to skip over part four. I know you guys are wondering why I'm not using Scream 4. But, I mean, if you really look at Scream 1 and Scream 4, they're almost the same film. Um, there are little clues into it, especially um, where Jill and Billy almost dress the same. You know, characters are reappearing as who they're paying homage to throughout the movie. Um, so there's no real need to add a double dose. My personal opinion, Scream 1 was a masterpiece. Scream 4, Wes got a chance to reimagine his first film. A lot of people went into that one thinking, oh, Jill's going to be the new... I was going to say Stewie. <laughs> Jill's going to be the new Sydney. Um, so, like... He starts the movie with that misdirection. When really, for me, Scream 4 is Scream 1, but from no one's perspective. Scream, the original, is from Sydney's perspective, and things are happening to her. And that made her the star. But Scream 4 really took it in a direction of, this is everyone's character, kind of, but we don't need to flesh out everyone. So it's just a new perspective on the same story. And if you look at it way ahead of his time. If you look at where social media is today and the things that Wes was talking about, or I guess he didn't write it, but the things that were being discussed as uh, a theme in that film are very relevant today. So I know a lot of people are like, oh, Wes didn't really try, blah, 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 or they just weren't overall happy. But Scream 4 definitely not too bad for a 2011 film. Like, if you think you hated the film, Watch it today. I, I implore all of you, think about it. 2011, put it in 2019 terms as it applies to people and doing things for likes and ads and whatever, Instagram models, blah, 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 blah. And then add this motif over it. Plus, hands down, Emma Roberts, that last scene when she's like <laughs> shit out of herself. It's like that was the perfect role for her. <laughs> yes, because you have this woman who you wanted to be goody two shoes, sweet woman, and you realize that spoiler alert, she's the killer, and then how far she's willing to go. Hands down, most iconic horror scene of that year, and maybe even carrying over in 2012. Yeah, she literally went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, and it was a wonderful thing. Oh, hi. It's Brandon. Rose from the dead. He pulled a me. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad because I was like, I need to watch this movie and I need to make sure that I'm awake for the show. And I turned on the movie and I was at like a light. And then all of a sudden, my wife wake me up. Hey, you want to go to the store with me? I'm like, what time is it? <laughs> that mini heart attack. <laughs> but yes, I'm here. And well, you're just in time for our last segment, um, and this might make Ash happy because she doesn't like questions. <laughs> what? I never said I didn't like questions. You just have to give me a minute. If you don't like questions, just back to the 17th yes. minute of the show. <laughs> <laughs> he so put me on the spot. 
<laughs> we have Billy, Stu, Debbie, Mickey, Roman, John. No one from part four. I'm going to throw the questions at you, Brandon. We'll let you start first, and then Ash will go to you afterwards. You guys ready? See. Whew, let's do it. All right. Mm, I'm trying to figure out where to start, but all right. Out of all the characters above mentioned or previously mentioned, who do you think would have done better off working alone and why? Let's see. Not Billy and Stu. So I'm just going through this process of elimination here. Not Billy and Stu because they kind of played off each other quite a bit. Um, hmm. I would honestly have to say Roman. And here's why. Roman, if you look at Roman's backstory, Roman, Roman's backstory is a little messed up, just a little bit. But at the same time, for most of it, Roman's working, I wouldn't say by himself, but he, he he's doing things independently. He, he's the brains behind everything. He, he has mm-hmm. a goal in mind, and he's like, hey, this is going to happen, regardless of whether y'all like it or not. Very, very alpha male dominant presence. You're just kind of like, oh, that, that's okay. I guess we're going to do things your way. And, and he, he executes it very well. Now, make no, I'm not saying that, um, totally not saying that, you know, the rest of them couldn't have done it by themselves. But Roman, once again, he, like, he, he acted independently. He didn't need any help. He was like, I got this. Watch me work. Fair enough. Ash, your pick. Uh, Who should have worked alone? I have to go with Roman. Really? Yeah. He pretty much, Brandon just took everything I was going to say. He, um, Roman was the one that started it all. Like, he was the reason why all this happened. Like, he was the reason why Billy Billy did what he did in the first stream. So, if there was no Roman, you would not have all the events that happened in the Screams the series. And he his whole motive behind it, you kinda you kinda wanna feel bad for him, but at the same time you're just like, uh-uh. Well, that's the like, thing is that you do feel bad because you're like, I mean, man, my heart breaks for you, but then you're like, you're crazy. Right. <laughs> I exactly. Well, yeah, see, I was I'm just, always on the he's crazy part. Right. I was just like, man, like, like he was placed up. He was in, like, he was adopted. Like, he went and found his biological mom. She turned him away, and it's just like, dang, like that was a slap to the face to him. And but for him to be that messed up in the head to convince someone else to go kill her and just, ugh. I don't want to say he was a mastermind. Like I don't want to give him prop, but he—he's the whole reason why this all happened. Mastermind's not always used in a positive context. (laughs) No, that's why I didn't want to really say it. But yeah, he—he—he was not playing. He had his mind set on things. Well, then I guess I'm really just gonna have to go against the grain here, and I think it's stupid. Stu's biggest mistake is that he trusted Billy. Mm-hmm. And then that's what ultimately got him killed. But if you look at how he gained everyone else trust, like when he flipped at the end, like no one was expecting that at all. 
everyone kind of, even as us viewing it, we're like, yeah, Billy definitely did it. And then Wes Craven did a great job of trying to misdirect and misdirect to throw us off the scent. But when you found out Stu was the other person, no one was suspecting that. Like his biggest pitfall was definitely trusting Billy and not just working on his own. Like I think to a T, he would still be alive for the sequel and Sydney probably would not if Billy was never in the picture. Right. And actually, fun fact about Stu, he was supposed to be the killer in the third screen. Oh! Yeah, sorry, I got some fun facts. <laughs> Just throwing but, them things. I didn't know that. But I didn't know that either until I did, like, my research and stuff. And I got some other fun facts, too. But yeah, he was intended to be the killer in Scream 3, and they decided to let that go and go another direction. Would have been interesting to see him survive his his death and be the killer in the third one. So yeah, we'll see that. That would have been that would be interesting. You know what? If they would have brought him back for the killer, and I said we weren't going to mention it, but just to hop on this theory train and screen four, then I think that would have been the perfect rewrite of Randy's rules. Because mm-hmm. then it's like. It just throws everything else out the window and shows that we have a new class of horror. Um, as well as, you know, the beginning, both fake beginnings are poking fun at horror movie tropes, right? And how they're so predictable. And then people realize within a movie that they're in a horror movie setting. Uh, I believe the police officers right. even have the same conversation. Um, that's it. Sorry, I delved in and Scream 4, said I wasn't going to do it. I did it. My bad. It's really hard not Uh, to. Right. So, next question. Who would you have rearranged and paired together? And in what movie? You don't have to say why, but in what movie? You can say why. Ooh. So, okay. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> this is a great question. I'm so he is excited killing right us now. with these questions. I'm like hyped. So, so here, here <laughs> it is. Here it is. And this is because it would be even more jacked up. So let's just say, you know, hypothetically speaking, we're at the end of Scream One. You know, everyone dies. So happy ever after. Yada yada blah blah blah. Billy lives. Let's say Billy lives, right? Then he starts talking to to his, to his mama. He's like, "Mom, I need revenge. I got shot in the face." Because in Scream Two, Debbie, Billy's mother, I do believe. Um, <clears throat> yes. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not crazy. It is Billy's. Mother. I like have to replay the scenes in my in my head. Yeah. Because um, gotta think that that's Billy's mom. You know, mommy gonna be like, "Well, I guess we can get these kids." And the thing is, like that. The one thing about Debbie that I plotted. In the whole movie is that she she was very good at staying low and getting information that she needed when she needed it um but she also but then again you're taking away the fact that the reason why she's doing what she does because she wants revenge for her son's death mm-hmm. so that eliminates the whole process thing so well not really because i mean she could have been like ah we need to go ahead and get revenge you're not dead but damn, you got shot in the face. Let's go get him. And that would just be a very interesting dynamic because once again, we're dealing with we're dealing with um, you're dealing with a mother and a son. And 
let's just be honest here. We all know how 90% of moms are. It's like, oh, I'm so nice and kind. You mess with my child, I'll poke your damn eyes out, and then I'm going to go ahead and right. put you on a spit roast. If he's alive, that means that he's able to, he can be like, mom, I need this revenge. And next thing you know, they're going, they're going at this, I like, guess, the Wild Wild West. They're like, we're going to kill everyone that's ever fucked with us. So I think that would be the most interesting, but it would have to be in Scream 2. It wouldn't have to be in Scream 1. It had to be in Scream 2. Mm-hmm. Now, see, I want to jump in, and I love everything you said for those exact reasons, but I would want that in Scream 1. I think that uh, if you put them in Scream 2, the where does Sydney get lost in with Mickey? So it's like... Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. It, I mean, it would just take more plot development as to why she's interacting with someone that doesn't matter and where do you then do Billy and Debbie work behind the boyfriend uh, Derek who has one of the better I think I love you scenes than Tom Cruise <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> but for me I, I, I will agree I don't know how it will work I would throw them in part one together and it's Sydney going after Mrs. Loomis before she even becomes Debbie because her father went missing. And then she thinks Billy's helping her when Billy's really along for the ride to do yeah, her and her, her dad's everything. already dead. Yep. That's the way I would run that. Payback for Billy's um, dad having an affair with Sydney's mom. I feel like it would just be a very interesting plot point to develop if it were to happen. Like, for me, that'd be like a good soap drop, soap opera. While I'm sitting with my popcorn. Ooh, girl, no, he didn't. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, Ash, that leaves you. Okay. So, I want to say this first. It's okay. It's... It's gonna have some of the, like some of the villains involved, but another fun fact for what was that Scream Two? It was supposed to be like four villains, in but there was a whole script leak, and and they had to like rewrite the whole script for it. So pretty much the killers that were supposed to be in that one were um, um, Debbie Salt, and then uh, Cotton and. I think it was kind of, and then Derek and Hallie. But I think pretty much it was supposed to be Derek and Hallie and Debbie Salt. And um, Derek and Hallie were like secret lovers because everyone knows Derek's what. Derek was Sydney's boyfriend and Hallie was Sydney's roommate. But they're actually secret lovers. Sydney sorority sisters. Exactly. So, <laughs> and they were supposed to be like secret lovers working with Debbie Salt because they all wanted the fame and the fortune and all that stuff. So I, I felt like that would have been perfect, but someone had to leak the, leak the script. So besides all that, since I couldn't have that, <sighs> perfect pairing, this might be weird, but Mickey and Stu. And okay. It's kind of weird, but it's kind of because they're, they're both goofballs, right? So mm-hmm. you have, so like pretty much just like the two goofballs banding together, and I don't know how. To, maybe ah, ah, I can't. I'm. Oh, I can't talk. I'm sorry. <laughs> See, I'm, um, I'm trying to picture that in my head. Like I like that as in like 
Stu being the Trojan horse, like someone from her past is coming back. Oh, wait, did you say which one? Huh? And which movie would you like to see them in? Mm, it would be cool to see them in Scream 2. Like, okay. you'll still have Mickey there, like, as her, like, college buddy, whatever, like, part of their group. But right. maybe he's related to Stu? Like a distant cousin kind of thing. My cousins. <laughs> yeah. That would be interesting. <laughs> that actually like kind of tap dances on the trope already that it's always some a family member. Yeah. So there's that holds water. That's not bad. Right. I mean, it's kind of weird, but I mean, there are both goofballs, and usually the funny people are the ones that you should be careful of. So maybe. Maybe that. I don't know. It's kind of weird. I don't know how to word it correctly. Funny people are supposed to be the ones you're, you're, you're careful about, so then you're sitting here talking to me and Gray all the time. You should probably be careful of us, right? Most likely, yes. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was going to say the whole Billy and Debbie thing, that, but that was already taken. I didn't want to, like, repeat it. But I, I feel like it would be kind of cool to see Stu and Mickey. Heck, maybe they could they could have done well. I can't say him because he wasn't a villain, so scratch that. I All right. Gonna say, I was gonna say maybe. Um, why did I forget his name? Randy. Was that his name? Yeah, Jamie. Uh, yeah, Randy. Yeah, maybe he was just like tired of it. He's probably like, you know what? Screw y'all and start killing people because maybe he was just fed up or something like that. But. He wasn't I'm tired a of y'all sh- yeah, when- shit. <laughs> I want to say in one of the versions of the movie, he did come back. It wasn't, uh, and that's kind of something Scream 3 obviously pokes fun at, right? How mm-hmm. Scream became so big, they had to develop multiple s- scripts. So people are literally beginning the script the day of or whatever to keep it a secret so it doesn't leak out. So we wouldn't know who the real killer is. And, um, you know, it didn't really carry out in 2000 as a good satirical way of poking fun at things. But if you really look at what Wes was doing from the beginning, it still holds true. But anyway, moving on. Next question. Which person never stood a chance or together in the franchise? Ooh. Oh, man. Okay. Uh <laughs> You this can say them as a hard. pair, as the worst pair, or just one person in particular. Ash, I'll let you go. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so That's much. Not fair. Hmm. Hmm. Good question. Ash doesn't like questions. <laughs> why y'all gotta why y'all gotta call me out like that? I never said I didn't like questions. Just give me some time. Gosh. Um would not stand a chance. All right. I would probably I say, say Stu because his okay. whole because he his, his whole motivation for doing it he claims was peer pressure. But at the same time, peer pressure could be the driving point for someone to go crazy, and then when someone has their mind set on something, they can accomplish it. But I just, uh, I just kind of feel like he was, go ahead. I kind of think that that's how it kind of relates into my pick. Like Mickey is, would be mine. He, he wasn't 
out of all these people, all had emotional reasons for doing what they did. Mm-hmm. Billy is avenging his mother. Stu wants to be like Debbie or Mrs. Loomis is avenging her, her son. Roman wants to be part of the family, and John's trying to hide a secret. Mickey's just a fucking fanboy. Yeah, like he's just, just, a just film there student. to be there. He's just, like, yeah, he's got no skin in the game. So it's like, I think that no matter what, he was never ever going to be successful. Yeah, and it seems like I'm sure, like, like I said before, if Stu had like the motivation, he can pull it off. But he also was he. He kind of had like his emotions get the best of him, and he was just leaning on to Billy to guide the guide him through the whole scenario. So I don't know. So I, I would just go with Stew. <laughs> Stew. Stew. All right, Brandon. How about you? So, um, I'll go into a little dialogue before I say my answer. Uh, today, I was at work. I was listening to the Art of Peer Pressure, and it, it's something that is very, very true and, and stands out. By the way, Art of Peer Pressure by Kendrick Lamar. Great song. Check it out. <laughs> but that's what I was going to go ahead and say, Mickey. I mean, we've already kind of elaborated on it, but I'm just going to elaborate on it a little bit more. When you... Well, I said it's like, you know, I'm like that involved. Jeez, I'm sorry. But let's say you you are, you. a lot of the things that humans do, definitely when it has a uh, bad or negative connotation within the world, it's backed by emotions or, you know, a mental illness, whatever it may be. But most of the time it's backed by emotions that are validated because they have a mental illness. Mental, the, 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 the reasoning's still there. There's, there's, there's an emotional <clears throat> emotional charge that gives them the reason to do that. Think about it like this. You're it's day to day, you doing whatever it may be. And you know, there's always that one friend that that one friend where it's like, oh, I bet you can't do this. And then you get frustrated because he's like, this is Watch me work. Each character had that emotional backing to do what they were doing. And then you have homeboy, he's just like, oh, I just want to be like you guys. Mm-hmm. This is like honestly, he was almost like a freaking uh damn puppet in a way so he's the one that I'm like you wouldn't have made it dog. you straight up just yeah he, he wouldn't have made it mm-hmm. yeah because he um, how him and Debbie came about he was well he said he found her online and she was like oh I'll pay your college tuition yeah sorry I'm just I'm thinking out loud sorry <laughs> No, you're good. I was doing. I do that every <laughs> every time I talk. So trust me, you're fine. <laughs> you go ahead. Keep thinking out loud, girl. Oh no, go continue talking. <laughs> Don't let anyone let you. Wait, never mind. I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question. Mary fucker kill. Twist is you have to use the person you just said as part of the three. Uh. Oh. Oh, that's easy. I already know who I'm killing. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brandon, you're first. So. Oh, does that have to be the Scream Villains, too? Has to be the Scream Villains. Hmm. Okay, so, here we go. Uh, I already, I already stated who I'm going to kill. Let's see. Mary. Um, 
Debbie, so that way we can have some some mentally messed up children, I guess. Whatever it may be. Um, oh God, this is rough. <laughs> this is because there's 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 two specifically because you know. Um. <laughs> so, I guess for the uh the fuck part it would probably well yeah it's gonna have to be a stew there, there, there we go <laughs> pretty, he probably he probably likes some strange like it's probably <laughs> not bad. He, no, he does he, he's a little weirdo <laughs> yeah, that's he's probably a, a good time that's not a bad choice <laughs> Man, who would you kill Oh, I already, uh, I already said it. Uh, Mickey, yeah, Mickey's, Mickey's side. I guess Mickey was the first, so never mind. <laughs> Mickey's side. Well, Mickey, Mickey's side. I'm going to run with that. Uh, Mickey is probably the person. Now, see, you're making me redo mine because I had <laughs> Stu in a different category. But you're right. He's probably fun in the sack. Um, oh. <laughs> I'd marry Mickey. Because, you know, he's just a film guy. We probably have a lot of things to talk about over the years. And it would be fun to go to movies together. Um, I'm fucking Stu, too, because I want to have a good time. <laughs> and then I I got to kill fucking John Milton. He's like the Harvey Weinstein of the Scream universe. Oh, so, that fucking <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, I did not expect to hear the comparison. <laughs> oh, snap, he went there. Hey, those are my reasons. That's I'm holding to them. I like it. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Who would I marry? Ooh. Sorry. Um. Uh, okay. I will probably. Oh my gosh. So many. Well. Okay. I would marry Roman. No, 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 no. Yeah. No. <laughs> Mary Roman. F. Billy. No, 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 no. Mary Roman. F. Stu. No. Oh my gosh. Why? You got caught up in her emotions right now. <laughs> <laughs> I had it all planned in my head, but like saying, I'm like, wait, wait, no, 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 no. All right. I forget who's the person you have to use. Is that Stu? I, I Stu. Okay. So, Mary Stu, F Billy, and kill Debbie. Yes. Okay. Cool. You kill, kill, just just kill off Debbie like that. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so. No, cause she's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Okay. You know what? Let me let me go on a little rant. Think... Okay. <laughs> let me just go say ahead. this. Randy, she killed my man Randy. Okay. He wasn't supposed to die, but when he was talking about her son and stuff, she went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and stabbed my man. So if it only takes a couple of words to set a person off like that, I want them gone. So boom, she oh, gone. Because yeah. he was going she, fine. She he was got no get, chill. <laughs> he was okay. Randy was going to die. He was just talking. She was going to let it slide. But right when he talked about her son. All hell broke loose, and she she killed my man's. So no, no, 
I don't need that kind of negativity. Right, so <laughs> if I can get West Freudian on you for a second, what you're saying is is, is you identify as Sidney Prescott because you want to fuck Billy and kill his mother. <laughs> Do I have that right? Wow. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I, I think that's correct. Why you got to call me <laughs> out like that, Gray? I, it's real. I was like, okay, this is a little too meta right here. <laughs> Why you got to call me out? Maybe because Billy's a bad dude and I want to have a little fun. Just like I told you, well, Mary Debbie, guess what's going to happen? We're going to have mentally deranged children. So, <laughs> same concept. <laughs> but, yeah. All right. Well, there you have it. Those are our answers. Scream Villains is officially done. If you guys like this segment, let us know on social media. Maybe we'll keep it going. Ash, tell them about the Facebook because I don't know how that works still. Yeah. Uh, so, there's a Kill the Dead podcast Facebook page. So just get on your Facebook, go in a search engine, and type in Kill the Dead Podcast, and it'll be the first thing that pops up. All right, and as always, continue to follow us on social medias, other social medias, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you guys want to plug anybody else? Anything else? Um, so, yeah, go ahead, Brandon. I do want to go ahead and plug something. First of all, if you're going to be on the Facebook, the Instagram, the, the tweet, tweet, whatever it may be, do it for the vine, whatever it is. Please remember, leave us comments, ask us questions. We're more than happy to, to talk and discuss things. Throw us ideas. This is all about coming together as a show, as a horror, a group of horror lovers, and just having a great time. Secondly, um, Resident Evil 2 is still being played by yours truly. Go on Twitch, look up Dark Marine 92. Watch me and listen to me scream my head off because my wife is probably like, keep screaming. I will I will smother you in your sleep. <laughs> and now I can just go ahead and film my own horror movie. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But um to add on to that, yeah, just make sure you like, follow us, comment, all that good stuff. And like I said earlier in the show. I want to help out in the horror communi- community. So if you have a movie, if you got music, books, comics, whatever, and you want someone to help get that word out for you, promotion, whatever it is, I'm your girl. So follow me on Twitter, Ash2Ashes. That's Ash, the number two, Ashes. And I'll be more than willing to help you out. All right, I think that'll do it again, or not again, but uh, this episode actually marks the one-year anniversary of you people out there listening to us. Uh, I'm willing to bet most of you have not been listening in a whole year, as uh, <laughs> listenership was very low in the beginning, so <laughs> there's that. Uh, Thanks a lot, Cloverfield. If you, guys, <laughs> if you do want to hear the back catalog, we do have it on the website, Podcast. Dot com. No hesitation, no hyphen. That was just me screwing up again. And <laughs> you can listen to every episode that we've ever done, including all the bonus episodes. Yes. That Love being us. said, we'll see you next time. Take care. Deuces. <laughs>